So I thank God a lot. And there are great things that happen, you know, when we just are available for God and are available to be used by God. And I started speaking about uh, this topic in Acts 20, which is uh, serving in humility. And a couple of weeks ago, I shared from Acts 20, and it is a story of Paul calling the elders from the region of Ephesia to speak to them because he couldn't travel there. He was traveling over to Jerusalem, and he called these elders so that he can speak to them and not go there. And uh, the last time I spoke about it, I was just fascinated by the fact that these elders left everything that they were doing, and they came to listen to Paul. And I spoke at length about us just being available to be used by God. And I shared my story and my journey, really, how I've just gone through my life by just saying, yes, Lord, and how God has responded in just moving me from level to level as I continue saying yes to him. Now, one thing I didn't mention, which a, few, a week later after, after giving that sermon is when we become available for God, when we avail our time, just as we are going to avail our time next week for the prayer week, we realize one thing that is so fundamental, and that is God is always available for us. Now, that came to my realization very quickly. A week later, after I had spoken, we went for a resonant conference uh, in Bedford for the global leaders that are under the hub of uh, a catalyst that we subscribe to at Bedford. And when I reached at Bedford, I was so delighted by the fact that for the first time in a very long time, I didn't have my children with me. Now, you might think that is something horrible, but if you are a parent, you know that sometimes your hands are so full, you can never have an opportunity just to have a time of yourself when you have children. And it was the first time in probably a couple of years for me just to be alone with my wife with time to worship and praise God without worrying about children. And my joy was that I just want this time to connect with God and to hear what he's going to speak to me. Little did I know that God was ready and available to meet with me. And God really did meet with me at that conference. Because in every area, I felt so tangible presence of God. I was going over and over again, just falling down. Trying to stand up, I fall down again. Try to stand up, I fall down again. And God was just meeting with me and doing his work with me. It was such a joyous moment. And at the end of that conference, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I wish it would have dragged on a little bit longer. But then God spoke clearly to my heart, and he just said, this can be every day. And that word really caught me that this presence of mine, that I have presence with you, that can be every day if you choose to. And from that day, I can assure you that I feel different. 
Not because I pray more, not because I study the word more, not because I am more close to God than I was, but because of I acknowledge the fact that my heavenly father is with me at all times. So if I start singing, I feel his presence. If I'm speaking to someone, I feel the presence of the father. If I am delighting him, I continue feeling his presence. Why? Because there is an acknowledgement, a realization in me that my heavenly father is with me. And so is with you and each one of us. So when we are available, God is available for us. But after availability come responsibility. At the same conference, my God was doing something different in my wife's life. And she shared her testimony a few weeks ago. And as my wife got out of her shell, really, to go and share what God was doing in her life, God immediately gave her a responsibility. So she went nervously to share what God was doing. And immediately, Caroline, for those who know her, she's uh, Simon Holly's wife, who was leading the meeting, just told her, Lady, I see the presence, I feel the presence of God is on you to pray for the leaders. And Maureen got a unique opportunity to pray for the global leaders. And that is her availability, God using it to give her responsibility for his glory. And so each one of us, even as we avail ourselves before our God, he gives us responsibility to minister to each other and to enhance his kingdom. And that is really what Paul is sharing with these elders by just sharing his journey of how he has walked with God and how God has used him in his availability to give him responsibility to serve his church. And so Paul tells these elders, as I pick up where I left on availability, Paul tells them, you know how I've lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came to the province of Asia. In life, you will always have an opportunity to make the first impression. My advice to you is, make it count. How people will perceive you when you first encounter with them will probably cause them to make assumptions in, in your life throughout the period that you will be with them. Paul confidently says that you know how and what manner of man I was from the first time I came to you. Now, Paul would not confidently say that if he came to these people processing another gospel. He wouldn't confidently say to that if he came to them when his character was so tinted that he was doing things that are dodgy. But as Paul came to these people in this region of Ephesia, he presented Christ to them from day one. Blessed are you when you go into a new environment and make yourself known that I am a follower of Jesus. It will save you a lot of trouble, I can assure you that. Because the things that people would ask you, the, the things that people would have put you through, the moment they understand that 
you are a follower of Jesus Christ. That already is an indication that you don't subscribe to one, two, three, four. And you will stay out of trouble just by the fact of saying, I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. But I don't know about you, but it is not so easy just to declare, I am a follower of Jesus. Sometimes it is difficult. But that is something that Christ wants us to have on our lips by sharing the good news and declaring that we are followers of Jesus. In the book of Joshua chapter 24, I meet, him, I meet Joshua who has been fighting wars and conquering the, the Amorites and the Jebusites and taking the children into the, the, the land of Canaan. And they have had victory because God has given them victory. And Joshua is addressing the people and telling the people how God has given them victory, how God has walked with them from Abraham to Moses and how he has delivered them from the, from the hands of the Egyptians and enabled them to conquer all their enemies. But then Joshua tells the people, you now have a choice to continue serving the gods of Amorites, to continue serving other gods or to serve the one and true God. And Joshua declared, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua gave a clear picture to the people that he was leading. That yes, we have been fighting. Yes, we have had some troubled times in our lives. But as of this moment, when God has brought victory to us, when we are supposed to be living hunky-dory, I'm telling you, for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. You choose what you're going to do. But for me, I'm choosing, I'm going to serve the Lord. Paul speaking to his uh, protege, Timothy, tells Timothy, Timothy, serve the Lord in all seasons. And as believers, we go through seasons, just like we have seasons. We go through seasons of spring, when things are just springing up. When we see things are happening when we see people coming our way that we can speak to, when we see new life and new birth in Christ, and we celebrate, we celebrate spring as things sprite up. But then spring is quickly followed by summer in our Christian life. Summer brings out fruit, and we start seeing fruit of what we have been planting, fruit of what we have been seeing come up and spring up. And we love summer. We celebrate summer. We feast and we enjoy in summer. But then comes fall. When things start shaking, the winds start moving, and things start falling. It is necessary for us as believers to have that fall time. Because that is the period of time when God is shaking us and knocking us and falling off all the dead things in us. Why is he doing that? Because he's preparing us for winter. Because winter is going to come in our Christian walk. Where we will pray and seemingly God will be nowhere to be seen or heard. Where we will sit in the darkness and we will not be seeing the end of the tunnel. Where we will be crying in the middle of the night but we don't see any light coming. But other seasons that we passed by were preparing us for that period in winter whereby God is going 
to minister to us by faith and not by sight. So instead of crying and mourning, if you are that place in winter, it is a time for you to exercise your faith. It is a time for you to sing out. It is a time for you to praise because God wants to ignite your faith with what, with what he's doing in, his, in your life. Paul was at that point when he had a thorn in the flesh. And he says, I cried and I prayed three times a day for the thorn to be removed. But it wasn't. Because he was at that time where God was telling him, walk by faith and not by sight. So, we need to serve God in all seasons. So, Paul goes on and tells this these elders and leaders, he tells them, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. Our service to God should be in humility. There is a danger for us as Christians. There is a danger for us as believers to think that the gifts that we have, they are because of our own efforts. God blesses us so mightily with gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of singing, gifts of administration, gifts of parenting. And we reach a point in our life, we get puffed up, and we think that the gifts that God has given us are as a result of us being so learned, being so good, being so eloquent. And we forget that every good gift comes from above. Paul is saying, I served you with great humility. If you are to be a man and a woman that God will use, you have to be humble. You have to humble yourself before your creator. When you humble yourself before your creator, you know where the source of your life comes from. You know who is the source of your life. You know who gives you that impartation. And that will enable you to see the best in others rather than seeing the best only in yourself. Paul was at this point in his life whereby he was facing a lot of opposition from others because they were jealous of what God was doing in his life. And as believers, we can have that, that prideness in us and say, oh, I can sing better than you. Oh, I can speak better than you. I can do administration better than you. And we tend to diminish others, other people's gifts because we feel like we are better than them. Paul says, let each one of you esteem others better than themselves. So there is no room for boasting. And Paul actually lamenting and speaking about this. He speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 22 and says, speaking of these people who are putting pressures on him, who are diminishing his ministry, who are thinking that they are better than him. Paul speaking to them says, I will speak to you as a fool. So let me speak to you as a fool, Paul says. And he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. 
I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constant on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger of the false believers. I have labored and toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? But then Paul says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. The God, God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. Paul speaking to these believers who thought that they are better than him, who are spreading lies and gossip because of his ministry, he tells them, if I have to boast foolishly in my flesh, I have done more than any of you. But all these things that I have done, I can show clearly it is through my weakness that God has worked through what I am ministering today. And so it is a challenge to you and me to know that the giftings that God has given us, he has given those gifts for us to reach out to others and show love and show compassion and show his, his heart for the nations and not for us to puff ourselves up and think that we are better. It might be a generation thing. You might have served the Lord for years and years. And then you see other young people coming up and serving the Lord. And you might feel, what do they have to tell me? But you need to recognize that God's anointing works by grace to whosoever will and whosoever he appoints. And we need to see the best in each other and exalt what God has put in each other so that we can edify the church of Christ. In all my life, I have seen so many great leaders at church who have been completely humbled by God. And at the same time, I have seen so many who people perceived as weak, who people perceived as they know nothing, I have seen God lift them up and exalt them to a point that it is shocking to see what God is doing in their lives. So our humility is so important if we are to serve God. But Paul says, I did not just come to you in humility and serve God in humility, but I served the Lord with tears. Today is Mother's Day. 
And we really celebrate mothers because mothers are really great. We thank God for the gift of motherhood. But mothers know what it means to shed tears. Mothers know the heart of tears. Mothers know the pain of tears. And through the years, mothers shed tears in their lives. Why do mothers shed tears? Mothers shed tears because they have a heart of compassion and love for their children. Mothers will cry when their children are not doing well. Mothers will cry out to God when things are not going right with their husband, with their children, with their family. Mothers will rejoice in tears when they see their children flourish. They know the heart of tears. And it is the same heart, the, the heart of a mother that Paul is saying, I served you with tears. Why? Because I wanted the best for you. I searched my heart and my whole intention was to see God's gift being manifested through you. To see you being elevated to that place of service, to that place of blessing that God has, and, uh, has put you through. And we, as Christians, as believers, we need to have a heart of tears. Because unless we have that heart of tears that really breaks when we see the wrong in our society, a heart of tears like a heart of a mother that really is troubled when we see wrong happening, we cannot really be witnesses for Jesus. Because Jesus' desire is to bring his rule and his reign, is to bring justice, is to bring salvation, is to bring peace, is to bring love. And if our hearts cannot break for the things that break the heart of God, then we really cannot be used in ministry. So on this Mother's Day, I would like to challenge all the moms and all the dads and all the young people, can we adopt the heart of a mother. Can we have that heart that will break for the things that break the heart of God? Paul says, I served you with tears. And he will let us speak to the Romans and say, I speak the truth in Christ, in Romans 9, 13. I speak the truth in style. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it. Through the Holy Spirit, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cast and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. Paul's heart for his brothers, Paul's heart for his brethren was that he would rather even Christ would accuse him. He would rather that he would even go to hell if his brothers would go to heaven. Now that is a heart that really breaks for the kingdom of God. Because it is the same heart Jesus Christ had when he said, I'll rather be crucified, I'll rather die, I'll rather go to hell 
for your sake. And he left his glory. He left his throne. And he came down to the lowest of the lowest level to break his heart, to be pierced, to be nailed, to be abused, so that you and I can have the life. And it is the same heart that he wants you and I to have. A heart that breaks when we see the injustice. A heart that breaks when we see the hunger. A heart that breaks when we see starvation. A heart that breaks when we see things going wrong in our society. A heart that will say, God, we want your kingdom to come. We want you to break through in these situations. We have an opportunity this week just to do that. For our hearts just to break for the things that break the heart of God. We will be praying for so many things this week. We have a variety of things that we will be praying for. And I just want to welcome you to just welcome the Holy Spirit in your life. Just to say, Holy Spirit, just break my heart for the things that break the heart of God. Because those are the things that we just want to pour our heart to God and say, God, will you break through in this situation? Will you break through in these circumstances? You only need to look into our society and you will see how much is going wrong. I feel there are people who are in tears in their life. You have been in tears in your life because of specifically people who you have your heart on and you have been praying for them. You have been longing, you have been wishing, you have been desiring that God will break through in their life. I want to tell you, your tears are not in vain. For those people that you have your heart on, that you have been praying for, be it family, be it friends, be it colleagues, that for years and years you have been praying for those people, will, will you break through God? And you haven't, you haven't seen yet breakthrough in their life. I just want to bring a message of comfort to you this morning, that your tears are not in vain. Because God is holding those tears He's holding those tears. Because as, as he declares in Psalm 56, he says that he holds all our tears in a bottle. He knows those tears. And Jesus says in Revelation 21 that there will be a day when he will wipe all those tears away. So you might not have seen victory in your lifetime. You might not as yet have seen and experienced the touch of God in those people's lives. But I want to comfort you this morning by the comfort of Christ that your tears are not in vain. So continue making those supplications. Continue making those prayers because God holds those tears dearly. Paul goes on to say, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. 
Paul says that my gospel was open. It was open to the Jew. It was open to the Gentiles. I did not discriminate. I did not choose. And as we go out into the, the battlefield, as we go out into the mission field, we should be open to share the good news with everybody. We will meet people who will rub us the wrong way. It is not time to be radical into their faith and, and their faith and, faith and tell them, you are wrong, I am right. But it is a period to bring the love of Christ to them. Because it is the goodness of God that will lead them into repentance. Paul says, I have taught them to turn to God, repentance towards God. Most of the time we want to tell people to repent from sin. And the reality of the matter is that they can't. Because nobody can be able to escape and beat the power of sin. Nobody in their own power can be able to do it. So when we tell people, turn away from sin, yes, they want to turn away from sin, and they will write things down and write their program down and say, from today, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. And what happened the next minute is that the thing that they have just vowed that they are not going to do is the next thing that they want to do. But Paul is saying, let us repent towards God. So instead of telling people, turn away from sin, let us tell people, turn to God. Because the moment they turn to God, they will be turning away from sin. So let us encourage people and tell them, God is able to break the power of sin over your life. God is able to bring victory in your life. Yes, you are struggling in this situation and circumstances, but what you are struggling through is not unique just to you. Jesus went through the same and became victorious. So you turn to Jesus and you will have victory. Paul finishes by saying in this text, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. And complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul says, at this time in my life, I do not consider my life worth anything. But my aim is to finish the call. My aim is to finish the task. The Christian life, we are on a marathon. We are running. For you to be able to run a marathon, you need to start slow, baby steps. You will never wake up one morning and you go run a marathon. You will start by walking, maybe running a mile. Then you will run five. Then you might run ten before you can complete that twenty-six. It is a marathon that we run step by step every day. So Paul says, my aim is to run with an aim of finishing. We do not run other people's race. We run our own race. If you start running and then you pick the pace of someone else, you're going to burn out. 
because it is not your pace. So you run at your pace. There is someone who will run 26 miles. It is their pace. Let them run. You, God, has equipped you for now to run two miles. Just run those two miles. Keep running. And as we, we, we learned last week, as Keith clearly elaborated, when we reach the finish line, this, this, this marathon turns into a relay where now we pass on the button to the next person who will continue running. So you run your bit. Don't look at someone else who is running beside you because they have their race. God has given them their responsibility. If you are desiring to be prophetic, don't look to compete with the other person who is prophetic because their race is not your race. If you are desiring to be a worshiper, don't compete with the other person who is in front of you who is a worshiper because your race is different from their race. If you are trying to be a parent, don't try to compete with the other parent that is next to you because your responsibilities, their responsibilities, your level, their level are different. And that is the mistake that we make as Christians because we want to compete. We want to outshine each other. But it is about the kingdom of God. We are all going towards one goal, and that is declaring the kingdom of God come. So I like to encourage you even as we finish. Be available. When you are available, God is going to give you responsibility. Take on that responsibility. Humbly serve in the responsibility that God has given you. Humbly serve with tears, with joy in the responsibility that God has given you. And then, teach the truth as you run the race and finish well. Because when you are finished, there is prepared for you a crown of righteousness that Christ will crown you and say, well done and faithful servant. I just want to encourage you, you who is walking, you who is running, Jesus is pleased with you. So keep on going. Don't look back. Keep on going. Keep on encouraging. Because you will reach your destination by his grace. Shall we bow our heads?